It's October 14, 2020. Welcome to the new reality edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. First up, we'll have uh, Brian Dote. He's an app developer and innovator here to tell us about his new application called Gigarati. And then we'll be joined by Denise Yamaguchi from the Hawaii Food and Wine Festival, Jason Higa from Zippies, and Scott Murakami from DBED. And we'll talk about remote work and a project called the Temporary Resident Concept. First off, I wanted to let you know that the University of Hawaii at Hilo, the Department of Physics and Astronomy, is seeking a location for its new educational telescope to replace the one that was housed on its uh, Mauna Kea Summit Observatory. Uh, The new telescope will be used by students for training in modern astronomical observing techniques, developing skills in scientific research, as well as for communicating science to the general public. Uh, There's a virtual open house, and UH Hilo Educational Telescope at Halepohaku is seeking your comments and feedback. So I will post the link up on the show notes for later on tonight for you to check out the virtual open house. There is a a couple-week, I think, um, time frame for the comment period. So you want to get those comments in as soon as possible. And now I want to welcome Brian Dote. He's a longtime friend of the the Bite Marks Cafe show. And, of course, he's an independent app developer and and innovator. And, of course, uh, he just recently created something called Gigarati. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Bert. Thanks for having me. So Brian, you know, what 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 have you been doing? I mean, so tell me, how did you how did you come up with uh, this idea of of gigarati and and just from the name it sounds like something to do with the the gig economy. Exactly, exactly. So the the concept of gigarati is not actually originally mine. I'm working with two partners, uh David Oyatamari and Maggie Dang, and they had reached out to me with this great idea. And the idea was Given the pandemic and the uncertainty surrounding both business owners and our workforce, they wanted a method by which we could connect gig workers or, or wannabe gig workers with jobs on demand, um, sort of episodic jobs, jobs that may not continue on to a part or full-time position, but could bring in extra income for someone. And so they had painted this vision Uh, They reached out to me, and we kind of talked about it. I got super excited, and I kind of forced my way into the project. and uh, Forced your way? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We built the proof of concept, which we launched on October 1st, and we've been slowly signing up workers and businesses. So so that was part of my question, too. So you're you're creating – Gigarati sounds kind of like a – a uh, not clearinghouse, but kind of a matchmaking where you got on one side you got the potential gig worker, and the other side you got the businesses that are offering the actual gig work. Uh, and mm-hmm. and how are you bringing them into the system? So, for the gig gig uh, companies, are you seeking them out and then having uh, having them sign up to to the website? Yeah, so we're we're seeking out through through sort of. We're in the early friends and family stage, so as you can imagine, it's through connections we have with businesses, many of which need sort of um, kind of on-demand on-demand resources, right? They need the ability, given the uncertainty, they need the ability to scale up and scale down pretty quickly. And so, when we reach out to businesses, a lot of them love the idea of they're not they're not hiring someone for a position as much as they are hiring someone for a gig. You know, aka Gig uh, Task Rabbit or something similar. Mm-hmm. But the, the nice thing about Gigarati is that it leverages SMS 
So everything is pushed to, through SMS. Um, you receive notification that you might be a match for a gig. You reply through SMS. You get notified if you've been selected through SMS. Uh, so it's a, it's a push system versus your typical job board or email system. And that's what makes it pretty intriguing for folks. Have you guys uh, gone live already? Yeah, we launched on October 1st. Uh, we're kind of in the soft launch, uh, working out the kinks, getting people to sign up mode right now. But the, the product is live, and the website is live, uh, and we're, we're actively signing up folks and onboarding people. Uh, you know, we do, we do a pretty robust onboarding session to vet out the candidates and make sure that uh, not only are they who they say they are, but that they come with either a teacher or a business reference. Oh, that's good because I was, I was going to ask you about how do you actually vet the uh, the potential yeah. gig worker. Uh, so part of the part of the other question is you know on the on the employer side, obviously you got companies like Uber and Lyft, which are the the pretty well known uh, gig companies. Uh, but there's there's a, a lot of others, and are you focusing on local gig companies or national as well? Yes. We're focused currently on local, and, and unfortunately, when we say local, we really mean uh, Oahu at this point. Uh, we'd love to expand to the Outer Islands shortly thereafter. But we're looking for local companies. We're looking for not what you would normally consider gig work. Like We're not talking necessarily about delivery and transportation. We're also talking about the corner coffee shop that the barista has called in sick tomorrow and you need someone, um, you know, you need someone quick. Mm-hmm, uh, so mm-hmm. those those types of situations and, and use cases are what really make Gigarati compelling. It's it's more than just delivery. It's more than driving. It could be literally any type of job, just not full time or part time. So would it uh, would it also include any kind of uh, uh, technical skills? Like if somebody's looking for some I don't know graphic design work or something, is that would that be considered gig work? I think I think so. We haven't. Um, we haven't really gone to the more professional services uh, segment yet. A lot of the types of gigs that we're looking at and the gig workers' interests uh, lie in uh, food and retail, restaurant, hotel, um, salon, spa services, those sort of categories. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the platform is agnostic. The platform could support any type of job, any type of gig in the future. Sounds good. So uh, I take it it's, it's free for the workers to sign up? Correct. And um, workers sign up is free. There is an onboarding session because we do want to make sure that we provide employers with vetted candidates. So um, there is an onboarding session that gig workers go through. Sounds good. So, uh, Brian, where can people check out Gigarati and sign up? They can check us out at gigarati.com. Uh, sign ups are open for both gig workers, those interested in finding gig work, as well as employers that want to tap into this awesome market of gig workers. Sounds good. Thanks, Brian, for joining us. Thank you, Bert. Have a good one. Okay, thanks. And uh, we'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll be joined by Denise Yamaguchi, Jason Higa, and Scott Murakami. We'll talk about remote work and the temporary resident concept. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Ekahi Health, Ulupono Initiative, and The Hub Coworking Hawaii. 
Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe, and I'm happy to welcome Denise Yamaguchi. She's the CEO and founder of the Hawaii Egg and Culinary Alliance, also known as the Hawaii Food and Wine Festival. Jason Higa, Chief Executive Officer over at Zippy's, and of course, Scott Murakami over at the Department of Economic Development and uh, Tourism. He's the Economic Development Coordinator. And we're all together talking about remote work and the temporary resident concept. I want to welcome you all to Bite Marks Cafe. Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, so let's start with uh, uh, Jason. I mean, I think you're probably one of the first people I spoke to about uh, this this idea of uh, something you're calling the temporary resident concept. So maybe you can give us a quick uh, overview of, of what you have in mind with uh, you know, with this concept and, and uh, maybe give us a little sense of how this idea came to fruition. Uh, sure, Bert. You know, this really started back in July, and I kept hearing the same story over and over again of someone's son, uh, daughter, um, you know, returning um, to Hawaii, um, and uh, the circumstances being that they had been working for a large mainland employer had been working remotely in their small apartment in Seattle or Los Angeles or San Francisco, and their employer uh, provided, you know, the permission for them to uh, come back home to Hawaii to continue to work uh, remotely uh, from Hawaii, which they did and did very successfully. And, of course, you know, this is a uh, you know, great proposition for the parents who were ecstatic that their you know, son or daughter uh, was back home mm-hmm. and continuing to work. So, you know, from, from that, you know, just hearing this story over and over again, um, I started to talk to others, and Denise was one of the first persons, you know, that I reached out to to just say, hey, what, you know, what do you think about this? And, and as I spoke to more and more people, uh, you know, there was definitely a common thought of, you know, could this be promoted at a larger level, you know, to to see if we could attract uh, more remote workers, especially, you know, former Kama'aina, uh, to come to Hawaii and to continue to work for their mainland employer. No, that's great. So, so Denise, how did, uh, how did uh, Jason sort of rope you into this? Well, Hawaii Food and Wine Festival has um, had numerous partners, in um, creating, you know, what has become um, the premier Epicurean event um, in the Pacific. We have uh, hotel partners, airline partners, rental car companies, um, restaurants. We have just an enormous amount of sponsors and partners um, that help put the festival on year after year. And so Jason came to me and said, hey, what do you think of this idea? And I said, well, I think it's a great idea. And he said, you know, what do you think about the visitor industry um, and, and how do you think they would react to it? So I called a few of our uh, partners, uh, the, some of the airlines and some of the um, hotels to see what their reaction would be. And, of course, you know, we had a very positive reaction. And so that's how I got involved with the program. Jason approached me and said, hey, you know, this might be good not just for uh, returning residents, but also for some of the people in our visitor industry and of course, you know, with tourism being shut down and this two-week quarantine, this would have been a way to avoid that, or it wouldn't avoid the two-week quarantine, but if you're coming to stay for longer than 
a two-week period, and if you were coming for a six-month period, the two-week quarantine wouldn't be an issue. And, of course, the hotels, were, hotels, airlines, rental car companies, they're all looking for business. So everybody was interested in being part of the program. Mm-hmm. So, so Jason uh, and, and Denise is, is hitting on kind of the, the details of, of how it would work. So, you know, the idea of a, a six-month stay in Hawaii, uh, when, when we call it or when you call it the temporary resident concept, uh, the they're they're coming here. They're going to be actually staying for a pretty extended period of time. Uh, how, um, how would you describe you know what would take place? They would they would uh, go to a hotel or would they uh, go to their parents' home or how how would you envision that working and and how would they potentially take part in you know what let's say tourists might take part in, uh, but you know they're here for an extended period of time. Right. So, um, you know, we are, you know, looking at um, someone on average that will come and live in Hawaii for uh, about an average of six months. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of how we defined, uh, you know, the term temporary uh, resident. And as we spoke to potential hotel partners, what we found is if they could have a, a guest, you know, stay for three months, or six months, you know, they were willing to provide very attractive rates, uh, you know, to that type of a guest. And in fact, you know, they uh, shared that they have had, you know, guests very recently since COVID started, uh, you know, stay at their hotels for these extended type of periods. And these are guests that enjoy the amenities that come with the hotel property. They enjoy being in the middle of Waikiki, um, and they just enjoy the you know current experience of of being in Waikiki today. So you know we we were really looking at hotel partners, um, and then we, we started thinking about you know rental car companies that were also willing to you know provide very attractive long-term uh, rental rates. Having said that, we've also spoken to long-term vacation rental companies that are also looking for, you know, a, a guest. And so they, too, you know, are willing to provide, you know, ver- very attractive rates. And so, you know, it was a number of different potential partners that came to the table and all due to Denise's relationship with them and and saying, yeah, we, we're on board with this. And really, they are not looking at it strictly from their own, you know, business standpoint as much as supporting, you know, this potential opportunity to open the economy in a small way, uh, maybe in a larger way, but to supplement the seven-day visitor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> Denise, when, when looking at uh, uh, kind of opening it up and and, and reaching out to the the folks that you would like to see come come back to Hawaii. I mean, what are some of the thoughts on how you would go about marketing this and 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 how would you reach out to uh that that clientele? So I think there are two different kinds of um of temporary residents. One which are our former Kamaaina who, you know, may have remote have jobs where they can work remotely. Like my son is home um from his job in LA he's a graphic designer and he and his girlfriend both do the same thing so they've been home for like a month they'll be home for another two to three months and that's the kind of that's one that's one side of the the program 
is to find those former residents or those who have moved to the mainland and now maybe looking to come back for, you know, two, three, four, five, six months and may stay with their parents or may look for alternative accommodations. Mm -hmm. The other Mm -hmm. side of it is maybe to look at um, some large companies and use this as an incentive because, you know, leisure travel is not going to come back probably right away, but there may be opportunities for large companies that are doing well, uh, tech companies, high-tech companies that may be doing well to, you know, bring 20, 30, 40 of their workers here to stay for an extended, them and their families to stay for an extended period of time as an incentive. So I think there are just different kinds of opportunities, and this also brings different kind of opportunities to Hawaii and our economy because if we're able to attract some of these tech companies, that also opens other doors for us. So I think there are you know, two sides of it. One is a former resident, and the other is large companies who may you know, want to bring some people to, to our islands. So, you know, the, the, the whole tech uh, aspect of it, of course, is something that I've been very interested in, and, and it's near, to, near and dear to, you know, what I'd like to see happen. Uh, you know, uh, what are some of the ideas on how to perhaps attract some of those tech companies that would consider doing something in Hawaii for that extended period of time? Uh, is, that, is that something that, Jason, you're working on, or Denise? I mean, how do you, how do you get to those particular companies? So, yeah, you know, we've been uh, uh, having, uh, you know, just open discussions about, um, you know, obviously you have uh, the opportunity of of living in Hawaii, you know, for an extended period. And I think that's a point of attractiveness. But I think that our, our, our community can offer much, much more in terms of its culture, um, in in terms of you know, the resources that are here in Hawaii. And so we have been looking at, you know, reaching out to, you know, uh, resources, um, the, the, the uh, colleges, the universities, to, to see how they might want to become involved. And I think, you know, um, Scott uh, Murakami from DBED can also talk, uh, you know, a bit about what DBED has been thinking about because, you know, what we found out is that DBED was, you know, already looking at, you know, this remote worker concept, um, you know, for several months. And they had already started, you know, to develop a certain concepts. So we were, you know, um, m- most recently working with DBED to see how we can uh, really incorporate the culture and the community of Hawaii as part of the attractiveness for remote workers coming to Hawaii. So, Jason, you know, you've done something that uh, I, I've uh, tried to do over the last uh, 12 years that I've been doing the show, which is a tease the next break so that uh, we can come back and talk to Scott about the, the exact thing that you just described. So we want to hold that thought. We'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with Denise Yamaguchi uh, from the Food and Wine Festival, Jason Higa from Zippies, and Scott Murakami from DBED. We're talking about building Hawaii's remote workforce. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors the Kahala Hotel and Resort and PCAT, Pacific Center for Advanced Technology Training. 
Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And if you're just joining us, we're talking to Denise Yamaguchi from the Hawaii Food and Wine Festival, Jason Higa from Zippies, and of course, Scott Murakami from, uh, he's an economic development coordinator over at DBED. And we're talking about remote work and the temporary resident concept. And right before the break, I, I had uh, Jason sort of tease what I wanted to ask Scott, which is from a, from a you know, the DBED um, uh, departmental view on remote work. I mean, what are some of the overarching themes that, uh, you know, you've been looking at in terms of remote work? And, you know, Jason and Denise have been sort of describing a, a sort of six-month temporary right. arrangement, but uh, there's there's obviously longer-term implications. And, and so what are some of the ideas that, uh, you know, are are being being thought of over at DBIT? Well, uh, you know, Bert, for many years, we as a community have worked to build the knowledge uh, cluster of economic activity in Hawaii. And, um, you know, that's taken on many shapes, many forms, many investments. The broadband hui is a clear example of that. Your efforts in broadband have been a clear effort of that. A couple of weeks ago, more recently, a couple of weeks ago, um, I think Omar Sultan and Rich Wacker were on your show talking mm-hmm. about the project um, that we're working on, in, on providing internships, paid internships for participants to try out these types of new um, uh, innovative types of careers that contribute to the knowledge economy. And this project, the remote worker demonstration project, of which um, the temporary resident concept project is one of the three initiatives, helps us to go in that direction, right? Um, So uh, basically the idea is first, uh, the three concepts involve first, uh, just as uh, was described earlier about the temporary resident program, trying to bring back Kamaina and other individuals to the state that would be able to contribute to our knowledge base. Uh, the second initiative that we're looking at is how do we expand opportunities for everybody in Hawaii, mm-hmm. uh, for everyone looking for either part-time um, uh, work or also full-time work that would provide them a higher quality of life or a higher standard of living because they can spend more time with their family. Um, and it's important that I express to you that this isn't just a DBED project. You know, we're working very closely with the State of Hawaii's Workforce Development Council that's mm-hmm. part of DLIR. And as we're creating these jobs, we're leveraging the opportunity to work with them uh, who run the public uh, workforce system to get people who are currently unemployed back into work. So uh, it it helps us to create uh, a demonstration project, which is part of the statutory responsibilities of DBED, to create this uh, knowledge cluster of activity that, again, creates greater resilience for the economy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's great. Because one, one of the things that I, I wanted to ask, uh, um, Denise, you, you know, when, you, when we have uh, the, the folks coming in for the six months and, and whether they're coming in as individuals or maybe coming in as part of a, a company initiative. Uh, how do we how do we know that they might be uh, interested in staying longer? Because I think part of the idea is this would create sort of a a, a funnel, a pipeline, and and if there is uh, an effort to uh, try to create a a longer, let's say, um, program around remote work, how would we how would we keep track of that? How would we know that they're sticking around longer than six months? You know, I mean, I don't. I wouldn't know how you keep track of whether they they actually were part. Well, first of all, if if they're a temporary resident and have moved here and have been part of 
some of the programming that we are coming up with, we, we, we certainly may have some of that information because we're, we, we look to providing some incentives for these people that do come and or that are interested, like these FITs that come and are interested in the program. So we may have some of that information. Mm-hmm. On a longer-term basis, what I understand for some of these temporary workers, they look at places like uh, these work co-working spaces. Mm-hmm. I've heard that the co-working spaces are um, a hub for a lot of these remote workers. And so I, I, maybe through those um, resources, we may be able to find them. But I think, you know, for people that are coming individually or even as a group, if they come through our program, because we will have a website and we will have inf- more information available, we'll be able to keep track of them that way. Mm-hmm. And and Scott, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, Kind of looking at this as a as a pilot that uh, we can then show, let's say how this uh, program might be um, scaled, right? Uh, if if we were able to get get more resources or what have you. So, I mean, in your mind, do you have a sense of how we would uh, you know gather up some data and 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 what would we like to show? Whether it's to legislators or or other people that might support the program, how would we go about telling that story? So we are in the in discussion now about what type of analytics we'd be collecting. But but certainly, you know, participants in the program, you know, would be asking for additional types of support, especially the people who are going to be staying longer. Um, they would probably be looking for uh, residential real estate opportunities. And as the program grows, it would expand to those types of other businesses in Hawaii, right? Um, and, and so I would think that those types of factors are things that we'll be looking at. Um, certainly... Uh, will be asking questions about what their intentions are, what their experience is, because the data helps us to determine both what the incentives are for people coming to Hawaii um, and, and the incentives for them to stay longer. Uh, so those are some of the factors that we would be looking, we'd be interested in. Mm-hmm. Now, Jason, uh, you know, I've heard that uh, uh, there's an, there's a, an effort to uh, maybe uh, get some of the schools like uh, Punahou, Iolani, Kamehameha schools to, to maybe reach out to s- some of their alumni. I mean, tell us a little bit about the, the, the marketing campaign and how you envision uh, really helping to get the word out. Because I know other cities, other, other cities as well as other countries have been doing something like this. So how do we sort of leapfrog all of that and, and, and get, the, get the limelight? Yeah, great question. And um, as we've uh, reached out to the local high schools and and local universities and colleges, you know, there there is a very strong interest in engaging uh, with their alumni and um, you know, really sharing the concept and opportunity uh, with their alumni to potentially come back home. And, you know, we, you mentioned, you know, the six-month visitor, but as we've been talking to DBED, you know, we do believe and understand that there are definitely long-term opportunities that are present, you know, um, with the change and acceptability of remote work. So I think as we move forward, you know, we're hoping that many of these temporary residents will choose to stay in Hawaii long-term and to put their roots here, raise their families. And I think for, you know, many of us, that's an opportunity that might not have seemed realistic, um, you know, in, in the past, but now is very 
realistic. So in the last uh, couple seconds, uh, Jason, I mean, where can people keep track of this pro- uh, this this uh, program? Well, we're coming out with a website in November, and we ask for your patience. We will be looking at a PR and media campaign uh, also in November, so you'll be hearing more about this program. Great, great. Of course, Denise Yamaguchi, CEO of the Hawaii Food and Wine Festival, Jason Higa, Chief Executive Officer over at Zippy's, and Scott Murakami with uh, DBED. I want to thank you all for joining us today. And of course, thank you for listening to Bite Bars Cafe. Join us next week when we will talk about the fifth annual Hawaii Annual Code Challenge. Of course, we'll also be in the midst of the fall fun drive. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email me at bitemarks at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. Our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HBR One every Wednesday or anytime via the HBR app, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. You stay safe and stay awesome. We'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe.